This is Safety Walls podcast. We love earth and earthlings. Mankind has a divine duty to be the steward of natural resources. Hey human, welcome back to the show. Here is another episode of the Safety Valve podcast. My name is Princess and I am the co-head of the content team at ESV. Marine life probably does not get as much attention as life on land. Today, we will discuss the underwater ecosystem characterized by reef building corals yes the coral reefs it's a beautiful life underwear made up of calcium carbonate which is now getting rest in peace this episode is to pray for its survival and create awareness in support of the un sustainable development goal 14 life below water i am joined by the amazing brilliant and talented british wildlife conservation biologist photographer and filmmaker couch i heartily welcome you sir thank you very much for having me it's a pleasure yeah so um i'm from uh, south london originally here in, in england and um, i've always been fascinated by wildlife even though growing up in a city there wasn't so much wildlife around but um it's just something that i've always been incredibly interested in so um i just followed that passion throughout my life um studied <clears throat> kind of down the the science route and ended up doing a master's in wildlife conservation biology um and i've always had a camera kind of in my hand anyway since i was young documenting family gatherings and whatever I was up to in the garden, kind of trying to find whatever wildlife I could. So um, being out in the field doing research kind of went hand in hand with photography and filmmaking. So I guess that's kind of how it started with um, keeping a camera in hand whilst I was out doing research. Wow, that's great. So what, what are some interesting projects that you have previously engaged in? Um, so my master's research was on whale shark ecotourism in the Maldives. So that involved uh, being in the water every day, kind of whale sharks and documenting um, their behavior and how their behavior changes um, according to how tourists interact around them. So that was incredibly um, interesting to conduct that research and uh, important for uh, kind of maintaining the uh, code of conduct rules in that region of the body, ensuring that people don't disturb the sharks too much. Wow, really interesting. So how did, you know, I'm sure everybody has this question too, how did a wildlife conservation enthusiast like yourself come to be involved in photography and filmmaking? Like, how do you integrate both you know into your research and your work yeah i mean um it, it depends i guess on what kind of research you're doing um for me it kind of went hand in hand because the research that i was doing on whale sharks involved me um filming encounters between whale sharks and tourists and seeing the whale sharks um behavioral change when tourists broke the code of conduct so the tourists are advised not to touch the sharks, not to get too close, not use uh, flash photography, all those kinds of things. But um, my research was on what happens when they don't observe those rules and they break them and um, the difference in whale shark behavior. So 
what I would do is whenever there was a whale shark encounter, I'd get in the water and kind of um, record everything that was going on um, with a with a small GoPro or something like that. So it kind of just went in hand in hand because when there weren't any sharks, we would just go for snorkels mm, and great. I'd be the reef so kind of I, snorkel. Yeah, amazing. So I, I can't stop myself from asking this title, The Reef. Could you tell us, you know, about that project? Yeah, that was um, something that I filmed uh, when I was in the Maldives doing research as well. So um, I was in the water every day and I was just collecting pieces of footage from uh, my swims every day. And then uh, when it came to the pandemic and I didn't have anything else to do, I kind of just put it together to see if I can make a small documentary about the amazing life that's found on, on coral reefs in the Maldives. So that's, it's not something I planned to film, but something I put together from just the clips that I had. Wow, and it turned out really, really amazing. So do Thank you mind you telling... Yeah, you're welcome. Do you mind telling us um, more about your recent film in Mozambique? Yeah, so um, I applied for and won a grant to tell an ocean story um, and my story was based on a young man in Mozambique who is uh, helping to teach his local community to swim and be more safe in the ocean because they all rely on the ocean for their living but the majority of them can't swim so people drown um, quite often there. So he's helping the younger generation learn to swim and be more safe in the ocean as well as conducting research on the coral reefs and the, the fisheries and things like that in the area so that they can be more sustainable and more um, conscious about the oceans and, and protect them more. Mm, wow, interesting. So what exactly do you enjoy about photography as a tool in wildlife conservation? Um, <clears throat> I think that the, the it's just so powerful having images and, and videos to help promote the amazing conservation work that's done out there. Um, the traditional style of just kind of writing papers and getting papers out and publishing them is is incredibly useful. But I think in the current world where everyone is focused on media and um, is on their phone all the time, using powerful images and videos can be um, such a great tool in, in getting out the word of, of conservation efforts. So I think it's something that is um, incredibly necessary in the world that we live in at the moment. Yes, I, I totally agree. The media now, it's a really powerful tool and people want to see pictures and videos and not just read papers and publications. So that's all very interesting to know and truly inspiration for all of us. Thank you so much. So to the conversation of today about coral reefs, can you explain that in very simple terms? What are coral reefs? Yeah, of course. Um, coral reefs are kind of uh, an aggregation of hundreds, if not thousands of species that live um, in normally quite shallow waters where the sun can penetrate. Um, and coral are a form of invertebrate and they're kind of the base of coral reefs. Um, they have this symbiotic relationship with an algae called zooxanthellae and um, these, this algae provides uh, the coral with energy and the coral provides the algae with um, a shelter um, and the algae is photosynthetic and then these corals make up the base of a coral reef and provide 
food and housing and uh, an environment for all other kinds of reef goers from fish to invertebrates and, and micro invertebrates as well. Great. So how, how is this um, underwater ecosystem getting affected by microplastic pollution in our world today? Yeah, I mean, uh, all of the oceans are kind of affected by um, plastics and microplastics at the moment and, and coral reefs aren't safe from that themselves. Um, first hand, you can see on many coral reefs, macroplastics like bags and bottles that really affect the ecosystem um, they wrap around corals causing them to die because they can't grow anymore or, or can't get enough light in um, and microplastics affect everything from the small invertebrates that live on the reef to the fish that maybe eats them or uh, is filter feeding on the water as well um, and that then has a knock-on effect in the food chain as well so this is an incredibly um, important topic at the moment as well and something that the world needs to uh, find answers to quickly. Yeah. And as a decrease in the water pH level results in more acidity affects the coral reefs. Yeah, so um, coral reefs and coral themselves are, are usually quite sensitive animals. Um, they they are very sensitive to small changes in not just pH but also water salinity and temperature and things like that. So when um, the water becomes more acidic, then they get stressed out and it causes them to expel the algae that lives within them. Um, and this means that they can no longer feed themselves and, and photosynthesize because that's what the algae does for them. So um, once they expel that algae, it it makes it difficult for them to survive. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll die. It's possible for the algae to come back. But in the majority of cases, once they expel the zooxanthellae, then the coral um, is, it bleaches and ends up dying, which um, when that happens across the reef, is devastating and leads to all the rest of the life in the reef leaving as well. Hmm. Wow, interesting. So some scientists have estimated that 25% of all marine life species um, living and around coral reefs, unfortunately, 90% of them will go extinct in the next 30 years due to climate change. Uh, what, in what ways do you think pollution might be curbed? Um, I think that governments around the world need to do more to kind of um, protect coral reefs and, and, and deal with their, um, their kind of garbage uh, in a better way, not just um, with landfills and kind of dump sites, because in a lot of cases, the, the pollution that's in those areas, it gets blown into the water and then ends up on coral reefs or in other places in the ocean. So I think finding better ways to recycle or um, alternative ways of um, getting rid of waste garbage is incredibly important to, <clears throat> to avoid further damage to these coral reefs um, across the world, really, yeah. All right, so we need to find better ways to recycle. That's great. So can we talk about any significant species, you know, living in or around the reef? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, especially nowadays one of the most important topics to talk about and this is uh is sharks sharks are kind of yeah. top of the um the food chain 
in not just coral reefs but in, in the oceans as well and they're such a vital part of um, the, the marine environment but we live in an age where um, everything is overfished including sharks and the reduction in the number of sharks causes a, um, a, a downwards impact on the rest of the ecosystem and the rest of the reef. So without the predatory sharks that get rid of um, the, the sick fish or keep the numbers of herbivorous fish down, it causes um, really big impacts on the rest of the reef. So by keeping these shark populations healthy, it makes a big uh, difference to the reef in, and the health of the reef. Hmm. Okay, great. So, we're now going to talk about the fishing industry. Do you think their activities affect the reef adversely? And if you think so, how? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, similar to the, the shark issue, because of so much um, overfishing across the world, it has a downward yeah. effect on a spiral effect on the reef as well. So, Without the large sharks or without the large fish in the in the community, then it causes um, an overgrowth in other fish species, which might then be uh, eating too many corals or eating too many invertebrates, and it causes um, the equilibrium of the reefs to kind of be offset, and that has an effect then on the corals and the microorganisms that live there as well. Um, so by reducing the, the fishing activities, it can really increase the health of many reefs across the world. Great. So what do you think is the best way to improve the fishing industry? Because they are still going to be fishing, you know, it's an occupation for most of them. So how do we improve that industry so that it doesn't affect the reefs? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the fishing industry is is vital in in a lot of the world as well, and it's the fishing is the only way that a lot of people make their income and kind of support their communities. But I think um, large scale com commercial fishing is probably causing the most damage, um, and there needs to be further um, looks at kind of how we can change those practices. So things like dredging and um, uh, trawling and things like that which have a yeah. big impact on the entire marine environment they need to have you know more restrictions on them I would say probably from governments across the world and to avoid um, not just overfishing but also causing massive issues in terms of bycatch and things like that as well which affects so many species yeah so it's it's good that you mentioned bycatch how do you think um, or how do you prevent bycatch while fishing? Um, I think it's difficult because, especially with commercial yeah. fishing, because the way that they do it is, you know, they're trying to catch as much fish as possible with um, in as in kind of as small a time as possible as well. And so, yes. avoiding um, some uh, techniques such as trawling and like gill nets and things like that, which have an impact. You know, they catch fish, but they also catch. Uh, a lot of non-target species like uh, turtles and whales and sharks and things like that. So um, using techniques like line, pole and line fishing, things like that, you can kind of reduce bycatch a lot. Whereas um, the large scale kind of trawlings and things like that, you catch a large number of things like birds as well, which a lot of people don't know about. A lot of ocean birds are caught and killed as bycatch that way as well. So um, yeah, refining fishing techniques and finding new uh, alternatives is is incredibly important to avoid bycatch. 
great. At least I learned something new about the ocean birds um, from you. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. So how can the fishing industry survive if we're talking about sustainability? Because we all know that there are going to be risks, definitely, and the marine life, the water bodies are also going to be affected by fishing. So what do you think we can do to the fishing industry if they're going to survive and if we're talking about sustainability and long term how can we bridge that yeah i think it's um it's it's definitely a difficult topic and you know the the fishing industry is obviously a lot of time and their fishing um, practices are kind of set in their ways and things like that but i think in we've definitely seen in the last probably decade two decades that fish stocks around the world are diminishing at a, a huge rate and the impact that the fishing industry has on uh, coral reefs and then also you know the bycatch that we've talked about is, um, is huge so it's important for governments around the world I think to invest in finding alternative methods and solutions to be to, to make the industries a little bit more sustainable whether that be you know using um, nets that might become biodegradable if they're lost in the ocean to avoid issues with ghost nets or um, funding fishermen to, to fish in a different way that's a bit more sustainable than the large commercial ways that we do at the moment. Um, yeah. There's no easy answer to this I guess but yeah it, it requires a lot more work from uh, organizations and governments to find more sustainable ways that can um, help the fisheries uh, be more eco-friendly in the way that they're doing their practices. Great, I, I totally agree. So, what are your opinions on in situ and ex situ conservation? I think that um, you know, at the moment, it's it's all hands on deck kind of situation. So, like any method of conservation that is is uh, going to help a particular topic or a particular project is, in my opinion, it's it's a benefit. So. Um, I think in situ is always uh, a preferred solution, but ex situ also has incredible benefits as well. And whatever you know, eyes you can get on a project or funding you might be able to get on a project, it's in my opinion at the moment, because we're in such a state where so many environments are at danger, so many species are at danger. Um, any way that we can help is, is okay in my books at the moment. Yeah. All right, so what are your views on seafood sustainability and do you think there are challenges faced in that sector? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, some people's solution to it is um, is farmed fishing or, you know, uh, sea, farming seafood and things like that. And while that's, you know, it's good on paper, it also comes with its own challenges as well, um, yeah. as is seen from, you know, tuna fishing and um, salmon fisheries and stuff like that so there's definitely a lot of challenges there um, and it comes again back to is it possible to do it sustainably and kind of quotas and where you can do it there's a lot of challenges there but I think um, some some areas of seafood are a bit more sustainable than others for example um, the farming of mollusks and stuff like that like mussels and things they're a little bit more sustainable um, than with big fish like salmon which has yeah. you know such a so many issues behind that basically um so i think maybe it's a case of we reduce eating certain types of fish or certain types of seafood and kind of concentrate on those that are a bit more 
sustainable and maybe the ones that can be farmed in a more healthy and sustainable way. But um, yeah, there's a lot of research going into this at the moment. And I think it's another thing where maybe governments need to uh, lay down guidelines on what kind of fishing is uh, more sustainable, more okay to do than others. Yeah, yeah, yes, I totally agree. So before we leave, do you have any passing remarks for our listeners? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> at the moment, you know, people are just trying to find uh, ways in which they can be more sustainable, not just in seafood, but in life and things like that. But it's not necessarily about making huge changes and cutting out massive you know, parts of your life and uh, making things more difficult for yourself. Any small changes that you can make, whether it be um, swapping out, you know, using a plastic bag and just carrying a tote bag with you at all times or um, you, you know, it's not using plastic straws and having a metal or bamboo straw with you at all times. Just small changes like that can make a huge impact and then slowly, slowly making small changes like that are kind of what everyday people can do to, to make an, an impact and, uh, and also like just talking to your local government or people like that to make small changes in your area. That's what we can kind of do yes. in everyday life to make a big difference. Great. Thank you so much. And I must say, I have learned a number of things today um, from you. You're really grounded in your work. Um, I just, you know, want to share some of the things that I learned from you today. Um, Coral reefs are sensitive to acidity and practically almost any change in pH level. And it causes them to expel more algae. I'm pretty sure a number of people do not know this (laughs) so thank you for sharing that knowledge and in general i totally agree with you um, talking about us getting involved the government or any other organizations on how we can protect coral reef in our communities i mean i'm from nigeria and (laughs) i can tell you for a fact that not a lot of people you know, are aware of the damage that is being caused, right, from fishing and a lot of things they are doing. Because as you mentioned, the fishermen and fisherwomen have their own form of practices and it also affects life below water. So I think we need to get more involved, create more awareness about this and how we can protect the coral reefs and basically um life below water so thank you so much couch for joining us today thank you thank you very much for having me it's been great great to have you and keep doing amazing stuff we are looking forward to your upcoming projects and thank you everyone for listening to today's episode we love art and earthlings stay tuned for the upcoming episodes